Well, hello everybody and welcome back to the All Saints podcast. Today I want to talk about children in worship. As you know, if you're a member at All Saints, it is our practice to welcome all children, even the very youngest children, into our worship services at All Saints. We don't have kind of separate Sunday school classes and childcare facilities and so on to keep the children out of worship uh, and separate them off into different groups and so on. We welcome everybody into the worship service at All Saints right from the very earliest days. And we do this for a couple of different reasons. Uh, the reasons can perhaps best be illustrated by my uh, telling you about an article that I read in a Christian magazine, or probably 15 years ago, which came from a tradition where it was their practice to separate out young children from adults and to give them their separate Sunday school classes and so on. And what they uh, noticed over the years, since they started doing that, and in many contexts it's actually a very recent innovation, uh, the, the practice of excluding uh, children from uh, worship uh, really gathered traction in the early 20th century in the, um, the Western world, in the English-speaking world. But anyway, since this particular church community that was represented by this uh, magazine started doing this, they'd noticed that if you start by putting on special classes, let's say for under 10s, initially you make it easier for them. The kids under 10 uh, have great fun with all the activities and games and so on and so forth that they have in their special Sunday school classes. But then when they get to 11 years old and they have to come into worship for the first time, um, while they feel somewhat unsure what to do themselves, they've never really been in that situation. They find it uncomfortable and, and awkward and they don't really feel at home. They don't know how to participate. And so the demand starts to grow for not just... Uh, separate Sunday school classes during the service for under 10s but maybe we need it for kind of 11 to 14s and and then you bring the 15 year olds into worship a few years later after they've gone through those classes and you can guess what happens you you now need 15 to 18 year old classes because they don't really need they don't really know what to do and so on all the same thing just repeats itself but each time it gets uh, each time the problem comes around it happens with an older group of people one particular crunch happened, according to this article that this um, the writer was narrating and describing in their kind of movement, a group of churches. Uh, they'd realised, they thought, that what they really needed was separate worship services for university students and college students, because obviously you get naught uh, to tens out in their little separate groups and classes, and then 11 to 14s in their separate groups and classes, and 15 to 18s in their separate groups and classes, and then the 18, 19, 20-year-olds go off to college and they've never really been to church before. They don't know what to do. They find it slightly uncomfortable and therefore it's necessary, so the article continued, to, uh, what would you say, keep providing, not quite childcare, but student care for these uh, young adults. A separate worship service, in effect, for, I guess, 18 to 22-year-olds. And that was the point at which they'd got to in the... Uh, life cycle of this process in the movement that was represented by the magazine article I was reading. And where the magazine article was going next was to say, well, maybe what we need to do is simply to continue this. Because we've discovered that what once young people who finished college come home from college or set up, you know, set out on their lives in the workplace and begin as sort of independent families, so to speak, they don't real, really feel comfortable in worship services with uh, older adults present. They're so used to worshipping with a group of their peers in a way which they find is kind of culturally relevant or acceptable to them that 
Well, maybe what we need to have, and I remember very clearly the article saying, we need to have separate worship services for different age groups extending through the 20s and 30s and even beyond. Throughout the Christian life, the article was suggesting, having begun with this process of separating out the children to make it more comfortable for them and for everybody else in the early days of the worship service, in the early days of the lives of those children, pardon me, uh, having begun separating young people out from the worship service at that age, we now have created this need, supposedly, that extends not only through childhood, but into student life, uh, which is adulthood, really, properly understood. But anyway, student life and then into adulthood proper. And the article was suggesting that we carry it on indefinitely. Now you can start to see, can't you, <laughs> the problem that's gone on here. A number of things have gone wrong in that kind of scenario, which all serve to shed light on the conviction that seeks that we seek to follow here at All Saints that animates our decision to welcome children into the worship service. We want to worship as a body. We want all to be together. We want to do that because we value our unity as a body and our shared participation in uh, all of what it means to worship God, to pray and to praise and to sing and to hear and uh, to respond and to eat at the Lord's table. We do this all together. Of course, we also recognise it not just as something that young people and children do in their young person and childlike way when they're young, but something which they grow into an increasing appreciation of as they grow older. It's no surprise that uh, an 11-year-old who's never been in a worship service shouldn't really know what to do with themselves because they've not grown into that gradually, rather like being dumped in ice water suddenly. It's an unpleasant experience and slightly alienating and disturbing. Um, what uh, the young people need is gradually, so to speak, to learn to worship God, just like we need to, we need to learn to do everything else in the Christian life. We need to learn to read and learn to think and learn to be gracious and learn to listen and learn to... Uh, fellowship appropriately and learn to serve and so on we actually need to learn to worship and so we have children in our worship services for those two reasons among others uh, to retain our unity on account of which even the youngest have a place in the people of God and Jesus himself showed the way by welcoming them into his arms in the Gospels, you remember those accounts in the Synoptic Gospels. And then secondly, because we can't expect adults just to flip a switch and learn how to do this, they need to be trained in how to worship God. So those are the principles that animate us as a church when it comes to this matter of welcoming children and young people into worship. Now that places probably we could say two distinct strains or potential sources of strain on our discipleship. And I want to speak just for a moment or two, if I may, about how we might identify and respond to those strains thus created by welcoming little, tiny, screamy, noisy kids into our worship service. The first strain is the obvious one, isn't it? Uh, sometimes, Babies scream and shout and cry and make a racket and it's noisy and it can be distracting and it, well, if we got out of bed the wrong side that morning or if we're perhaps a little bit tired or if we're not quite thinking straight about what it is that we're doing here, we could easily find ourselves getting a little irritated by that, couldn't we? Um, I can well remember, and my poor children, I'm going to talk, to them, talk about them again, but 
My children are no different, really, from anybody else's children in this respect, so I'm not singling them out. I can well remember the day which one of my children decided a few weeks into starting a, the, the new church that I had the privilege of pastoring in London back in 2009. A few weeks after we'd begun, one of our children decided this was the moment to test her, there we are, it narrows it down slightly, lungs. And boy, did we all know it. And it was that moment where I just, I'm there trying to preach or whatever it was I was doing. And there's, a, there's one howler in the room and she's a few feet in front of me and she's mine. Bless her little cotton socks. Um, and we've all been in that kind of situation. Maybe not in the situation of being a preacher in that circumstance. But all of those of us who are parents have been in that situation. And probably all of us have been in that situation where we've been in the pew and somebody else's squealer is right there in front of us or behind us and it's you know, making your ears ring and so on. And so that places a strain on our patience and kindness and grace and our readiness to welcome those youngest and most precious vulnerable children into the community of the people of God, which is exactly what we must do. Uh, we are not to think for a moment that every single child that Jesus encountered was an angelic, silent, uh, simpering-eyed little angel. He would have held squealing children in his arms, and we can be quite sure he would have done so with patience and grace and godliness, the kind of patience and grace and godliness that we ought to extend to those little children, to their parents as they're seeking, to train their children and welcome their children into the worship of the people of God. So that's the first challenge I think we've all got to face up to. And it might be as well for us to do so and to do so in a clear headed way and to commit personally to praying for and encouraging those mums and dads as they're welcoming their kids into worship and training them to be faithful participants in the worship of the triune God. But of course that raises the second prospect, doesn't it? Uh, the second challenge, and I don't know whether this is more difficult or less difficult, but it's just different than the challenge of having somebody else's child there and squawking and screaming, the challenge of having our own child there and squawking and screaming. And what do we do? And the answer is, well, a little whimpering and a little squawking and squealing is fine. It's just part and parcel of what we expect and what we want to see, because we want to see children who occasionally inevitably make a noise participating in our worship services. But let's not forget that one of the aims of this is to train and to teach and to encourage our children to worship God faithfully. To extend the analogy that we uh, thought through earlier, the magazine article I spoke about, uh, we don't want to exclude young children from worship and then see them grow up permanently excluded but neither do we want to have young children in worship and squealing and squawking and making a racket and uh, evidently not learning how to settle down and then that continuing throughout their lives either, do we? There's a sense in which this provides an opportunity for parents to register that, yeah, here's a, a child and it happens to be my child who isn't ready to sit down and listen and pay attention and participate appropriately. And it's my responsibility to teach, to train and to discipline 
that child so that he or she grows up and learns how to do so. And just as I want to encourage everybody else in the congregation to take seriously their responsibility to be patient with your little darling as you're seeking to welcome them into worship and train them in worship, I also want to encourage you to take that opportunity to train them, to help them to see how it is that they ought to participate in that context. Now, clearly, the, the way in which you do this is going to vary depending on um, how old they are and um, what kind of stage they're at and what kind of capacities they have. So let me just illustrate what I have in mind um, with a couple of examples. First up, let's be honest, nobody is expecting pin drop silence from every under five-year-old in the congregation. And so if we get snuffles and squawks and squeaks occasionally, please, we don't want unnecessary anxiety and panic stations. My daughter just made a squawking noise or my son just let out a yell. We don't, stay, stay put, just relax. We know, we know that sometimes children make a noise. But there are some situations in which actually this presents an opportunity to do something else. A couple of examples that, again, these will be obvious to you, no doubt, if you're a parent of a, a baby or a, of a toddler. But let me just spell them out just so that we can all reflect on them. You might have, let's say, I don't know, a four-week-old or a two-month-old who is just got a headache or earache or something that they can't articulate to you or one who's a few months old and the first tooth is coming through and you can see the kind of puffy red cheeks and you know that they're miserable and they're howling and squawking and screaming and there's nothing that you or anybody else can conceivably do in order for that little baby to participate fruitfully in worship in any way at that point. In fact, if anything, um, not only is the child not really able, even in a childlike way, to be present in worship, but you and your wife or your husband and probably half the church who's sitting around you are all somewhat thinking, oh my goodness, what's up with that small child? And there is a time, there is a time, notwithstanding our commitment to have children in worship and to give plenty of opportunity for parents to train them to stay in worship, we all know, don't we, that there's a time with the smallest children where, you know, today is just not the day. <laughs> right? Today, she's got toothache. Today, he seems to have some kind of, I don't know, he got out of bed or he didn't sleep very well. And he's going to scream and scream and scream and nothing's going to stop him. So let's not exasperate our children, Ephesians 6. We don't want to exasperate them. Let's take them to a place where it's possible to just soothe them a bit more effectively than when you're sitting in pew three of the church um, on a Sunday morning. That's actually one of the reasons why we provide not Sunday school or creche or nursery, but we do provide some spaces for you to take your child out just at somewhere quiet um, where you can comfort them uh, and uh, maybe try and soothe them off to sleep or something if they're that really, really super young age and they're not going to respond well to anything you could possibly do right there and then in the church to, to soothe them and to comfort them, to calm them down. Please don't don't take that as a failure, much less as a criticism of a parent or a child. Uh, that's just totally normal for a child. Sometimes a child has a screaming fit and the only thing you can do is take the poor child out somewhere where the screaming doesn't deafen grandma, right? And if that happens in church, well, the Lord bless you for weighing and balancing appropriately your responsibilities, both to your child, to keep the child in worship as much as you can, and also 
to do so in a way which is sensitive to other people around you and which doesn't place an unwarranted burden of expectation on the child himself or herself because sometimes at the risk of belaboring the point the baby is just going to keep screaming and here is not the place them to do so of course there's another setting in which something other than just staying put might be warranted and i'm now thinking of the situation which again we've all seen and uh, any of us who are parents i hope have been involved in ourselves when we have a slightly older child a child who is out of sorts or grumpy or making a noise or whatever it is and actually uh, they're perfectly able to understand that that's not how they ought to be behaving maybe you've even been practicing at home a little bit you've been practicing the stand sit pardon me kneel uh, you've been uh, practicing sitting still and listening to a bible reading at family worship or something like that um, but your child has decided that today is the day where they're not just got a toothache or a bit of a fever and they're not feeling well they're actually being disobedient and ungodly and they're going to squawk and squirm and scream and struggle until they get your attention well they've got your attention now haven't they and what i want to encourage you to do there is what a, any great parent would do take that opportunity take the child out of the worship service and that's an appropriate moment to discipline a child now the principle here, of course, is that it's not just that we want the children to participate. We want the children to learn how to participate. And as a child grows older, the child becomes more able to understand what that would mean. And we all know that at a certain age, there are things that our kids do where it's not just a squawking fit. It's actually you know, this is willfulness or this is ungodliness. This is pushing the boundaries. And it's appropriate for us as parents to discipline them in that context. And just as none of us in the rest of the congregation are going to raise an eyebrow disapprovingly at the odd squawk and sniffle from your child, none of us is going to raise an eyebrow disapprovingly at you when you think, okay, little Johnny has pushed it far enough. It's time to take him outside, out, the, out of the service, and deal with this discipline issue in the same kind of way patiently and prayerfully and graciously but firmly in the same kind of way that you deal with any other discipline issue in any other situation because we know that what you as a parent are committed to is disciplining your child that is to say discipling your child training your child in the way that he should go or she should go so that when he's old he won't depart from it those are the two chief strains i think that this situation places upon us on the one hand the whole congregation is ready and cheerfully willing to accept joyfully that having kids in service means the occasional noise and squawk and grumble and murmur and that's completely fine it's just part and parcel of what it means to have the youngest members of the kingdom of god worshiping among us and then secondly the second challenge is for all of us as parents well i'm a parent of somewhat older children now but all of those uh, among us who are parents of younger children to recognize that this is a time where occasionally something approaching uh, the kind of way we'd normally discipline our kids for misbehaving is appropriate now this holds great promise for our children's future if we can get this even close to right because then what will happen is that here in worship as in the rest of our lives we will simultaneously be doing two things. We'll be involving our children in our lives as a worshipping people. They'll be part of the family, not shunted off to their bedroom 
uh, not seen and not heard, but part of the community and welcomed as they are with particular needs that they have as children. And then secondly, we're training them so that they learn how to behave and how to participate. And what a blessing it is to see this. I, I look out every Sunday. I have the privilege most of the time of, uh, on a Sunday, at least part of the service, standing facing the opposite direction to the rest of you all at All Saints. And I can see your kids and I can see kids who are four, five, six, seven years old and, of course, older and sometimes younger uh, participating in worship with joyful hearts and big smiles on their faces. And we have you know, amen at the end of the Lord's Prayer. And then you get this little amen at the back of the church. And it's just wonderful to see. And we all know, actually, if we're parents, that that comes only through the patient instruction and loving discipline of our kids. And if we can do that, if we can get that right, or even close to right, we will have the joy of seeing our children not only growing up never seeing a faithless day, as my fellow pastor, Pastor Neil, is fond of saying during baptism services. Not only will they never see a faithless day, they'll never know a Sunday when they felt excluded from the worship of the people of God, because they will know that they're welcomed, that this, of course, is a context for their discipling as young worshippers, but fundamentally that they're worshippers of God and welcome as such, and that they feel at home whatever age they are as they grow up among the worshipping community of God's people. So can I encourage you to uh, approach those twin challenges with fresh enthusiasm, both the challenge of disciplining and discipling your kids if they're young and prone to squawk. Take those opportunities and also for all of the rest of us to pray and patiently and joyfully wait and watch while the Lord does his wondrous work among us in those young children. I think that's probably enough from me on that topic. I hope that's been a helpful reminder and reorientation for all of us about this important aspect of our life as a church. Uh, by the time this comes out, it will have been past Thanksgiving. Uh, but in any case, if this isn't a little bit too late, uh, happy Thanksgiving. Uh, today is actually the Wednesday, 23rd of November, before Thanksgiving when I'm recording this. But I hope you will, or by the time you hear or, read, or, or watch this, have had a wonderful uh, Thanksgiving holiday break and a wonderful Sunday. And I look forward to seeing you all very soon. God bless and bye for now.